1: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
2: Hello, I am Mike Ferney. I am the head of video at DriveTribe. I like vaguely fast saloons, fast forwards, and Richard Hammond is my boss.
1: The Driven Chat Podcast in
0: association with Paramex Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life. Find out more at drivenchat.com. Hello and welcome to this week's Driven Chat Podcast. My name is John Markar and as you have just heard there from the intro this week on the Driven Chat Podcast, we are being joined by Mike Fernie. Now before we dive into that conversation, I just wanted to say a quick hello and a quick heads up. Uh, Firstly, because this is, as you may have noticed, a long episode. Uh, we are nearing two hours on this edit, I believe. I say that without actually knowing because I'm recording this before I've seen the full edit time. So it's just a heads up on that. This might be one of those episodes where you need to come back to it two or three times. Who knows? Also, just a huge thank you. I always like saying this at the beginning of the episode rather than right at the end because I want to make sure everyone hears it. A huge thank you to all the recent feedback that's come in for uh, recent episodes in the near past. Um Thinking Emma Walsh episode, thinking Martin Donnelly episode as well that went out last week. We have had some amazing feedback from those conversations. So, thank you. If you've taken the time to leave us a review online, a huge thank you to you. It means the world to us. And yes, it really genuinely does do very, very good things for us in terms of Apple Podcast rankings and advertising. And, you know, the more listeners we get, wonderful people like you, the more advertising revenue we can bring in, the more we can do, the more content we can create. It's a wonderful snowball that keeps rolling. So if, for example, you're enjoying this episode today and you're feeling especially generous, five-star review and some kind words does wonders for us. And I know it's a bit crass asking for people to like you on the internet. I know it is, uh, but it does do wonderful things. And if that is the one and only thing you do as a sign of gratitude for these podcasts, then that's all we ask. It would be Very kind, so thank you. I will now let you enjoy this wonderful content and this wonderful conversation with Mike Fernie. This is a conversation where we address all sorts of wonderful things from where he started in his career right the way through to how he deals with the not so nice comments on the internet. Luckily, I believe there aren't a lot that are aimed at him. But when you are trying to keep up with the likes of Richard Hammond and James May, it can understandably be quite tricky. So here it is. Here comes that jingle. And I'll let you enjoy the conversation. Thanks so much for listening once again. Speak to you in just a second.
1: The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital.
0: It's Mike Furney. Hi,
2: Mike. Hello. I'm really happy to be here. I'm a big fan of the podcast. I oh. listen to every single one.
0: Um, so, yeah, really cool to be sitting here. That's very, very kind of you to say so. No, it's lovely to have you here. It is worth mentioning that we, we did cross paths um quite some we were mentioning dates just before we hit the record button and it's quite scary when you think oh well that was 2015 so that was only a couple of years no 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 that was quite some time ago now um but yes at a time that we were both working at car throttle
2: yes that's my first ever foray into the was that what it was was that yes, the first one i
0: was a sweaty mess when i entered that office <laughs> <laughs> uh so that would have been uh yeah, it was farringdon wasn't it that's right that's the, right uh, upstairs from uh um a bizarre fashion company i seem to remember it was a quite an odd yeah quite an odd setup that was
2: basically my summer internship from uni Ah. so i asked around all the all the different publications and auto express and car throttle picked up on me so there you go that was my second internship
0: Fantastic, yeah. No, I do. I do vividly remember. And you were saying as well, you've got a photo somewhere on your phone of me and Alex Kirsten wrestling. Yeah, which that I can believe to <laughs> sort of every afternoon.
2: Really, uh, it was a cool office, and I remember. I remember really enjoying being in at throttle because you guys just seemed so cool compared to the rest of the industry. So I'd been at Auto Express before, and that's just very, very down the line yeah. automotive journalism. It was when it was like James Batchelor, Matt Watson. Um, Jack Ricks, yeah. um all those guys were in there and that was very prim and proper and I was you know almost like put my tie on every morning and then I turned up to Carterall in a shirt and tie I don't really remember what I was wearing first time I was so well dressed and I felt like an absolute idiot coming in with all you guys you know chilling out but it was great I thoroughly enjoyed that summer
0: oh brilliant yeah no it was good it was very very happy times I've got very happy memories although I was only there really in the grand scheme of things in the, the blink of an eye um, but yes it was uh, it was good fun and yeah glad to still be close friends with Alex Kirsten and Ethan and a lot of the guys. It's great to see that it's still going, although under new ownership, still going strong. Uh, But this is about you today. So uh, uh, let's find out a bit more about Mike Fernie, the man that uh, many of us have now seen driving around in manually converted V10 E61 M5s. Which I tried to sell to you, but you didn't want to. You did. Well, I I would have loved it. Um, I think I lacked the... 30000 pounds that was required to, to take ownership of it. But yes, it is one of my dream cars. We, I'm sure we'll get onto that uh, in a little bit as well. Um, but as I like to ask, as you all know because you listen to these episodes, uh, I always like to find out the early stages of people's interest in cars and bikes and everything automotive and what's maybe got them to the point they're at now. So casting your memory back, do you have a core early memory that might... L- Sow the seed for the career you're now sat in?
2: Yeah, definitely. I think um, I can go back to when I was three years old and my dad, he's a chartered accountant, but his hobby is to tinker about with classic cars. Cool. So in the garage at home, there was always a 19, Dad's going to shout at me for this, <laughs> Nineteen thirty? no, 1940s Lanchester. Oh. And a 1969 MGCGT So you always used to tinker around with those. So from very early, cars were a thing. And then he would take me to stuff like the NEC Classic Car Show. And I even went to a Grand Prix back in the day, the one where Schumacher broke his leg. Ah. Um, So yeah, cars have always been a thing. And that then led me to... Um, well, I remember my first supercar experience. I was put in. Do you know the Sporting Bears charity at I do. the NEC? Yes, uh, well, yeah. I was put in the passenger seat of an Audi R8, which at that point was brand the V8 one manual. It was right. brand new at that point, and I couldn't believe because I've been i'd been in my dad's mg most of the time i could not believe a car could be that quick ah. like i was shocked i could like it was just it blew my mind so from then on i was like wait a minute there's more two cars than just the classic car sort of tweed jacket stuff yeah. there's some pretty serious kick kicking about from then on i sort of did my research and found out there was a show called top gear and i was like wait a minute And i had like i think at that point i had five seasons to catch up on
0: so um, this is um, so again. I guess if you're in a, a new at the time R8, that would have been around sort two thousand five six.
2: Yes, about then. I think I must have been about
0: yeah about twelve years old. Okay. Um, so yeah. So at this point, yeah, new new top. I'm saying new with uh, inverted commas. It's now old Top Gear, but newish yes. Top Gear of that time is yeah five years old. So, okay. Yes.
2: So I remember the first Top Gear I watched. I think was the uh, budget supercars, the Mondeo. But supercars from one day on one day i think that was where i entered something i think that's season three or four um and yeah so from then on i thought right i want to get into cars and it, then i went through school being obsessed with them mm. and decided to go into engineering so uh, i studied mechanical engineering at harriet watt university in edinburgh mm-hmm. always wanting to get into cars but the car world engineering wise is so difficult to get into yeah everyone wants to do it no one really wants to design wind turbine blades Mm -hmm. they want to design the next jaguar and stuff Mm, like that of course um so you know i kind of went through uni doing my thing just kind of you know not being an amazing student getting just you know b's c's just trundling through wondering where the hell this was going to go um and then i basically had a big breakup when i was 21 and at that point it was like right uh i'm feeling awful what in the world what will make me feel the best what will make me feel good pure and simple what will i be able to do day to day that i will just love doing um to get rid of all this havoc that's happening mm. and it was driving fast cars that was simply it and i was like right well i either need to be a racing driver but i'm 21 with no money so mm-hmm. that's not gonna happen yep. i need to be a test driver for a manufacturer but most of those are retired racing drivers or up and coming racing drivers and the other one is a motoring journalist so i thought well i've got an engineering background going um and i know i can write a bit so maybe i'll try something there so i started a blog called gasket case because everyone always picks Very good. <laughs> some sort of car yeah. it's d- got yeah, to be yeah, a pun yeah it. it'll still be there if you search <laughs> gasket case mike verney it'll be around there somewhere <laughs> um and basically i then i did enough blogs using sort of parents cars like friends parents cars to kick about in. um i did enough blogs with enough fairly cool cars i think the, i was amazed when i got to drive a boxster that was like wow. unreal at that point yeah and I shipped that around the, um, the uh, publish- publications and out came Auto Express, Car Thrall,
0: and that was that, really. Fantastic. So at that point, with that Boxster or, or the cars that you were writing about, that was just opportunistic. Were you just taking a car, writing down your thoughts, and you were then sending it to people going, do you want this? Uh, well, I, I just sort of...
2: I, knew, I wanted to create a base, so I started off with, with my first car, which was a Rover 25.
0: Perfect. That was my next question, so um, tick that up as well. <laughs> right? Rover go. 25, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. And well, that,
2: that's come full circle because, well, we'll get to that later. <laughs> Such a cool story. But um, yes, yeah, so I had my Rover 25, Solar Red 1.4, and, and it was that, that K-series engine. Everyone gives it crap, but mm. it was a zingy little motor. <laughs> um, so I was driving about in that so i started off blogging about that because i i couldn't afford the insurance on an MG ZR, which was essentially the body kitted slightly yeah. hyped up Rover 25 so i just did everything i could to switch it to a zr so i put the wing on it i put the grill on it this that and the other and yeah then from there i was like okay let's start building up here so i then did one on my dad's car which was a jaguar s type r nice. um so that was that again that f- from a rover that blows your mind <laughs> Three hundred, three hundred and sixty 360 horsepower
0: you cannot believe how quick this thing is i'm also detecting there's quite a strong uh midlands based car manufacturer theme happening here yes yes and that has stayed very much <laughs> with me um and then yeah i
2: just then i i went to um uh a private school in edinburgh and that obviously coming with that there's lots of like affluent parents kicking mm-hmm. around and so i then we'd sort of show them my articles and they'd probably feel bad for me and then be like oh yeah you know i'll get you insured for two hours on my boxer i'll Great. phone someone up so yeah i remember i took my my friend drew's uh, boxer down to the down to the scottish borders and again like you you suddenly feel like you've made it in yeah. each, each each stage you're like wow i can't believe i've got the keys to this thing yeah um and it just kind of built from there um but yes, Midlands Cars, I'm, I'm a massive <laughs> Rover, Jaguar, and mildly fast Ford man. Mm-hmm. Um, And that's pretty much all the cars
0: I own right now, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. <So. laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Longbridge would be proud. Yes, exactly. Uh, which I think is slowly being converted into a housing estate now. But, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think the gates are still there. There are still avid people that go there with their Rovers and stand up there like a like a, a tribute, uh, which is commendable. I'm
2: currently restoring a rover, so I'm going to make that happen. I'll come with you. <laughs> it's not too
0: far from where I live.
2: We can, we can go there together. Make rover great again, I, <laughs> that's what I see. Yeah. And then Richard says,
0: make rover great, full stop. <laughs> 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 yes, uh, yeah, it's um, it, it, it's a commendable tribute. Uh, Choice, a lifestyle choice that you've chosen. Have you ever
2: heard of a 620 Ti? Um, Have I? I I don't know if I have. So there's a thing called the 220 Turbo, which is the one everyone wants. Uh That's like the coupe, two-door from like the 90s and the 620 ti is the rover 600 saloon that had the same engine so it was like the 200 horsepower turbo the one you want Mm -hmm. and basically everyone scraps the 620s to put the engines in the the 220s right and that my brain then goes wait a minute that means those 620s are the numbers are just plummeting Mm. and if you look on how many are left there's only I think the last time I checked, there was 48 Wow. Rover 620 Ti still on the road because they've all been scrapped. So I've bought one and I've put it away and I'm going to restore it. Amazing. We'll get to that down the <laughs> Anyway, <All right. laughs> Rovers. Just going to make a note of Rover <laughs> on my little notepad here
0: and a big question mark. Perfect. <laughs> Excellent. Um, right. Brilliant. I mean, so I'm always fascinated and I think a lot of our listeners are as well to find out... The kind of the roots from the humble beginnings because of course we all had to start somewhere and for some it was a nice plain easy journey of right I'm going to do my degree in that thing I want to work in and then I'll do my first internship and then bam I've got a job and it's all plain sailing from here mm. but for a lot of us in this industry it's not quite as simple as that and there comes some rocky roads so from that point of um, so the internships that you did in that summer of 2015 how did things progress for, for you then as a career? Did you end up writing for other magazines? Was it writing that you thought was going to be the the, the kind of the core job for you? Or was there something more you were aspiring for?
2: Um, I, I would say, uh, well, I, I always aspired to be Mr. Henry Catchpole, mm-hmm. to be completely honest. I would buy my evil, and I would skip everyone sorry, Jethro and everyone else. I would I would just sit and first time I went through it, I would read all the Henry Catchable stuff because I just think his writing was magical. Mm. It took you exactly where you wanted to go reading about a car review. And to be honest, I don't think there's anyone even now in all the magazines that quite matches him. He's still be my number one. Right. So um you know I'm I'm going to I'm studying mechanical engineering and not only am I reading uh, these articles but also the stuff that evil were putting out then was just phenomenal mm. his specific series on I, i've forgotten what it's called but it was essentially the world's greatest roads and oh, he would take yes. a specific car and there's some that there's a one there's an aston n430 that he takes to Bremer, the old military road yeah but
0: she read yeah i've seen the video it's yeah, fantastic
2: there's an, a boxer gts he takes to i think it's Majorca. It just he's amazing videos that just blew my mind and thought, wait a minute, there's actually a, there's actually awesome content outside of Clarks and Hammond and May here. Yes. Yes. That a lot less people are watching, but I love this. Mm. Um so um the the blog kind of got things going and I to be honest, I only saw myself as trying to get in at Evo, that was it, I wanted to be a writer, I wanted to be at the desk next to Henry Catchpole and just try and absorb as much of his magnificence as possible <laughs> really, um, so that's where I started off, so um, I was really happy when the blog got to a point where I could approach, so Auto Express and Car Throttle, and Auto Express I knew were owned by the same parent company yes. as Evo, uh, Dennis Publishing, so I thought right this is this is my first step and at that point to be completely frank, Car Throttle was the add on. I was mm. really happy that Alex had got back to me, but Auto Express Evo is yeah, where I wanted to go. Of course. But then when you actually get in the office as a, what was I then? Twin, yeah, 21 years old, um, you very quickly realize that actually this new up and coming social media based, um, I mean, it, still very much journalism, but just a completely different tack, different look on it, much younger, mm. was just infinitely more comfortable cooler like less pressure but not to say it's easier it's just like more casual yeah um so although my sights were probably still even after that summer set on evo suddenly car throttle was like actually these this could be the future this one here Mm. this is there's much more going on here um so after so i so i interned at car throttle um and then off the back of that um our colleague at the time, Matt Robinson, yes. liked what I was doing. Because basically I was writing engineering articles about cars. That's how, right. How yes. stuff works. This has happened to your car. What, what's what gone wrong, how to fix it, that sort of stuff. Um, A lot, I'll admit, a lot of faking it till you make it. Well, I had a very baseline <laughs> knowledge. But then I'd be like, oh, you know, someone would just come up with, can you write
0: an article about this? And I'd be like, Sure. <laughs> And i just go away and, you know. Do you know what's brilliant, though, is because before you started, that was my job. Oh, no. And it was even more ridiculous because (laughs) I had no engineering degree. I've no experience (laughs) as a mechanical engineer. I grew up with dad on the driveway telling me to hold the torch properly whilst he fixed something else. So when the guys in the office were like, uh, well, what did you do at the weekend? I'd be like, oh, I had to change the head gasket on my E36. They're like... you you can do mechanics I'm like well you're you an know, engineer a bit and they're like right <laughs> I need you to tell me how a Torsten diff works and I'm like oh okay and then you came along and it was like an engineer has arrived <laughs> give Mike the engineering stuff sure, sure, um but yeah no there's a lot of uh, a li- yeah there's a little light bulb moment for any of our younger audience who are perhaps uh, aspiring to pursue a career in automotive journalism and writing and things uh, there's quite a lot of faking it until you make it oh yeah and that's fine i feel like
2: recently i listened to quite a lot of like motivational speaker stuff and a lot of people are um having a go at that whole mantra of fake it till you make yeah. it but i actually think to be honest no one's got a clue what they're doing correct you can study a degree in whatever mm. but when you're that day one in the job you haven't got a clue so yep. you are faking it until you make it and some people are just quicker at doing it than others yeah um and that's exactly what i was doing i remember it's it's ingrained in my head we had a a company meeting in that glass room in in, in the car office and it was like right mike like what what ideas have you got and i'm just bucketing with sweat (laughs) and i was like oh i've I've got this quiz about you know car engineering and then i think it was gabor at the time was then like um right give us some example questions and I hadn't thought of any example. <laughs> and there was just this silence. And I, it was honestly the most cringeworthy thing moment of my life. I hated it. But anyway, you know, those those things happen. But um no. The the car throttle experience was was really, really cool. And I think it um set me up well for Drive Tribe because the car throttle audience could be pretty spicy mm. at times because they're that young Facebook generation. Yeah um car fan so like you you know you get a lot of um a lot of abrasion in in that community mm. um so it was a bit of a baptism of fire yeah to start off my writing there but it meant i had to learn incredibly quickly yep. if i hadn't quite researched something and some bloke that had a torsion diff mm. said wait a minute that's not quite right you- Who are you? Why are you writing? If you suddenly you had to be on it fairly quickly, and Matt, my editor, would Mm -hmm. be right on me for that
0: kind of stuff. So true. Yeah, I mean, I I remember having similar conversations with Matt and with Alex and uh, Darren, who's another of the writing staff, and I had the same. I remember getting the same reaction. I'd I'd you know write an article. It'd be some sort of flippant comment. There'll be some sort of sideline comment of, oh, it's a bit like when BMW did da-da-da-da-da. You'd write this line. Mm. You'd have a barrage of comments like, actually, no, you know, BMW took that idea from somebody else. And to the audience, what you have to remember in that world is that I think what makes automotive writing and journalism different to a lot of other subjects is that there are industry experts on individual things. I guess the, the closest comparison I can come to is like using the, tub, the subject of cooking, let's say we want to make a website platform about cooking. Now you'll have some people that know everything there is to know about particular types of bread. Yep. And there'll be other people that know everything they need to know about how to cook the perfect steak. So if you, the bread expert talk about the steak and get something wrong, all the steak experts then come in and even it's like, some nonchalant comment. Yeah. It's like they're in. <laughs> it's just, it was baffling for me. Fascinating at the same time, because yeah, I remember thinking like, Oh my God, you have, these people are expecting me to be an expert on absolutely everything when I know a bit about everything and, but what yeah. what's cool about that also is it shows how
2: passionate they are so when you, when you yeah. do write something that they really attach to and that they love it that that's infinitely better than the time that you got something slightly wrong and yeah. they the come piling in so that's i'm not saying it was a spicy audience like you know, in a massively negative way, like, you know, they were, they were all, they were an awesome audience as yeah, well. So, yeah. you
0: know, it, it goes both ways. Absolutely. So was the next step from Car Throttle Drive Tribe or was there something else in between?
2: So um, I I completed my internship and then things, it ended positively. Um, and I then went back to uni because I was midway through uni, three or <laughs> five years. So I went back for my fourth year of uni and um, after a couple of months, I think it was Matt that then messaged me saying, hey, we really liked your stuff. Would you like to contribute as a freelancer towards it? Great. So I'm at uni thinking, money, oh, mm. great. Yeah. You're actually wanting, I think there's a message somewhere, but I thought it would be for free. It would It'd just be an extended internship. He's mm. like, no, 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 we'll pay you this per article. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> um, so it then became this juggling act of spending you know, a third of my time doing car throttle articles and then the rest of the time studying for uni and then that balance as i went through uni started to go the other way um but that that was a really cool time and um, being able to balance those two things and there was a lot of stuff like, i was genuinely studying at uni that i could then be like i could write an article about that mm. and I'd, I'd write it on car throttle so i then was freelancing and then came back for another summer as a proper employee this time everyone i think had buggered off on holiday and i it was pretty much me and i think matt in the office Oh right (laughs) so i was kind of holding the fort at some point um and then after that you know uni was coming to an end my fifth year and i'm like right what am i doing i need to apply for jobs so i initially asked car throttle um you know what's happening like Mm. can i can i finish uni and come full time but i think you know maybe they just didn't want me or i think at that time that was when dennis were sniffing around Um, initially sounds about right um so i think they didn't want to be taking someone on yeah um, but i don't want to presume that uh so that was they were happy to keep me on as a freelancer but not as an employee Mm -hmm. and basically my dad was like no son like i think you should really lock in somewhere so i then applied auto express well sorry i applied for evo the job for ah. content editor Evo came up and i'm like right here we go yeah, the, the, yeah. The, this is gonna happen so i apply for it i go to the interview for it um and i get the job but then the the contract comes through and it's auto express ah so i'd got in at dennis and despite applying for Evo and being told i'd got the job it was actually auto express which i was fine with because yeah. i was like i can now just work my way evo's still the goal but yeah yep. you know I just do my due diligence basically um so i was two weeks out from starting a job auto express as one of the junior writers mm-hmm. and then i got a twitter dm from the head of content then at drive tribe who said hey we've seen your stuff on car Told i really like it do you want a job at Drive Tribe? It's owned by Clark Hammond and May. It's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. This would be your salary, which you know, startup salaries are always a bit inflated compared mm. to normal ones. Um, so suddenly, I was left with this decision of: Do I respect Also Express and go there, mm. or do I have a go at this Drive Tribe thing? Because that was right at the start, so like twenty, early twenty seventeen when everyone was like what is this thing yeah this is mad like some people had got early access to it and this that and the other what are these tribes i could be a tribe owner and it was all kicking off so i thought yeah i think this is the one and when you've got clarks ham to me in the title it's like yeah okay cool i'm gonna do that so i told auto express sorry i'm going elsewhere and i went to drive tribe now i've been told since (laughs) that uh basically drive tribe editorially shaped itself so much on car throttle Mm. that they essentially offered the entire car throttle staff a job at drive tribe yeah um which obviously at that time kind of included me they must have seen me in that fold and that's where that twitter dm came through now i i I, I, to this day i kind of feel a bit bad because clearly everyone else at car throttle said no (laughs) and then there's me being like i'll do it (coughs) i'm off yeah Um, so yeah it, it was it was funny to hear that later on but yeah that's that's how i then got in the door at
0: drive tribe amazing yeah no you're right I mean it, it was fascinating I remember it so vividly when this brand almost it came come out of nowhere this mm. new drive tribe brand that nobody had heard of but as you say you know Clarkson Hammond and May were there at the helm and they were it, all of the promo and social media coverage of it was featuring them heavily and yeah I had friends of mine that were phoning me up going I've been accepted as a tribe like I'm, I'm going to be a presenter with Clarkson Hammond and May and I'm like are you you sure like because my other mate has as well and yeah at that point I'd already I was a few months gone from Carthrall I'd moved on to my next project and I was doing bits and pieces there and I was kind of like looking from a distance being like "I'm, I'm intrigued about this but couldn't really work out what it was and suddenly it just exploded into life didn't it there were yeah people were contributing I'm aware of huge sums of money that had been thrown into it to kind of get it started and get it up and running. And I was like, wow, this kind of looks like it is it is the next big thing. But then it kind of went away, didn't yes. it? So we, I mean, only, am I right in thinking, only a year ago from now, it was January, yeah, January 2022. I remember seeing the, the kind of the press headlines coming up. And, and again, what you've got to remember with stuff like this is it can be so easy to think that something's either been around for donkey's years when it hasn't or it's been around for five minutes when it's been around for donkey's years and drive tribe somehow kind of managed to catch both groups know of people exactly off guard i mean yeah there were people that thought well it's only been around for 10 minutes so of course it's going to fold it's a startup it's folded but the reality was no it'd been around for a good few years and and then there were people that were like, well, hang on, well, you know, I've, I've been following, especially if people of a very similar age to you that are just getting into that point of interest of this new medium or this new version, I was going to say new version of Car Throttle, but well, that's not quite fair because it was a bit more, I'd say it was a bit more kind of clean and polished than Car Throttle. Car Throttle was definitely bouncing along the angle of we're a bit kind of laid back and we know what we're doing Sure. so we can get away with having a bit more fun. Um, but I'd be interested to, to learn what it was like for you as an employee because I'm guessing there will be a lot of people that you worked with who suddenly one day got a phone call or an email or they were called into a meeting say look sorry guys and girls but this isn't going to go on for much longer how how did it unfold
2: yeah it, it was it was a mad start to working life uh, so Drive Tribe I think officially launched in November 2016 mm-hmm. and I was in the door in April 2017 so basically it started as a tech company so the first bunch of employees were purely coders mm. platform builders essentially and they built from scratch this car platform which you know but it, it seems too on the nose to say but exactly like car Auto, it was it was the facebook for mm. cars yeah um with this notion that cars are so universal everyone virtually has got a car, there's this many billion cars on the planet. We should create a social media platform around it and mm-hmm. people will flood to it. Um and yet it had this big brash start, um, lots of money invested and I basically it seems to me that the the head honchos at the time were basically given the a remit of get the biggest and best folk from the industry mm. into this building and we'll make this thing work yeah. just through sheer effort and money essentially um so there was lots of high profile names that were drafted in um but with a with a startup it and this is something i discovered is that it's incredibly boom bust from sort of mm. month to month um ideas get thrown around and uh, if that idea hasn't worked within a month it, we just move on to the yeah. next thing yeah and there can be some collateral damage with that um now i quickly realized that to kind of survive in a big startup like that you just have to make yourself look as useful as possible and be as versatile as possible and i think being one of the main car guys who wasn't that expensive Mm -hmm. I think kind of saw me through while there were other big names that were on big salaries as well um because they kind of had to be to be taken away from where they were um and those guys are the first to be kind of flicked off the top because you know they're they're um they're the big money makers um sorry big expenses I guess sure um so uh drive tribe changed a lot from 2017 until as you say the sort of headlines came out in what january 22 yeah it went we had different projects like you know we, we stuck at making it the biggest car platform then we started creating um a sort of garage system much like car <laughs> um and uh, some offshoot apps we had a, an app called joyride which was basically a roasting app right. so someone would upload their car and then people would deliberately be incredibly mean about it but <laughs> it was a very engaged platform but that we had that tech um grunt in-house that mm. we could just fire up an app within a month and have a go it was pretty incredible mm. how talented some of the people were especially on the tech side um and I guess the thing with Drive Tribe from the get-go is with the amount of power and money being piled into it, it had to be that multi-million uh, yeah. idea. It couldn't be small. Mm. It had to be this massive thing. So we were kind of constantly, you know, the CEOs from one to the other, they were kind of constantly looking for that big money-making idea that would justify the whole thing. Yeah, But I think um everyone came to the realization that cars are a niche they're not universal at no, all to be no. into cars is in the grand scheme of things a massively niche thing it's nowhere near on the level as food or yeah. music or some of those big other verticals cars is a really nerdy thing <laughs> to mm. be into so expecting even with clark's and Mae as the as the header image yeah. expecting millions of people to come flooding to it I I, there's a number somewhere of the amount of users we actually had in the end but um it was clearly just nowhere near what anyone kind of expected it to be um so you know we went through iteration iteration and iteration going through all these different searching for these different million pound ideas um until it got to the point where the kind of investment had run out and it was like okay what do we do now and um basically then uh richard stuck his hand up and said i'd like to continue with this i've, I've got okay. an idea uh and um now richard's the boss and mm. basically he looked at it and thought well we've got a cracking social media side mm. we've got especially a youtube channel that's clearly making money um let's just get rid of everything else so the, the, the platform itself, um, as you will have seen in all the sort of news articles, that was essentially um, collapsed and Richard. So, you know, you, there's all these news articles saying that, you know, Drive Tribe's gone. Drive Tribe, the platform, yes. I guess if you were to say it, that is gone. Yeah. Um, But Drive Tribe was a brand very much isn't. So I'm sort of sitting there waving the flag. Still for, here, guys? For, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, it, it seems sad. I think looking back on it, I could look at the likes of Car Throttle mm. and see that it's kind of fundamentally doomed as a thing. Like mm. Facebook for cars is Facebook. Yeah. YouTube for cars is YouTube. Like you cannot compete with the big boys. No. That' for so. Whenever I see someone, I mean, you know proven wrong in in a few cases but when i see someone launching an app mm. I, it terrifies me because i look at the amount of money and the amount of people involved in drivetribe and if that couldn't work yeah. with and the May involved virtually everything you have to find some random niche that's somehow profitable yeah. otherwise it just makes no sense
0: no you're absolutely right it's and it, again i mean that observation of we all drive cars so surely everyone's going to be interested in cars that was such a common thing i remember hearing that 15 odd years ago and I was doing mucky about in the very early stage of my career in events and running track day companies with friends and I'd, ha- I'd hear my friends say you know well you know there are whatever the figure was you know, 65 million cars on the road in the UK don't quote me on that I just made that number up but you know, if there are 65 million cars then surely we should be able to sell out a tractor every month and I'm like I remember thinking even then like I'm not entirely sure that's how this works yes because as you say the interest point the where you actually say yeah I'm a car guy that's a that's a real niche and then within that niche you've got individual niches of oh I like cars but I actually only like pre-war cars or I only like Japanese cars and then it just filters and filters and filters so I think it's it's one of those things we've all looked at. And I think when Car Throttle started, when they then when Drive Tribe started, it was like this universal excitement of wow, this is a platform for us. But the actual reality of how many people use it, I guess, yeah, it's it's always proven to be not quite as big as perhaps we all thought.
2: Yeah. And I I think as a as an employee throughout all that time, I I've seen um lots of people in the industry have their feathers quite seriously ruffled Mm. by just drive tribe existing um and i think it's been sad sometimes because i've seen people that i've like really respected and grown up um you know reading their articles or their videos or whatever and they've been like quite nasty it was quite a divisive thing at one point because it was so disruptive and it makes me feel a bit bad really because there's a lot there was you know literally hundreds of people involved in that company Who worked incredibly hard incredibly talented people who you know we were fundamentally just working on something that would never i think back thinking you know same amount of investment same people what could we have done differently Mm. to make this work but i think fundamentally that hundred million pound idea based off of a car social media platform again maybe this is being played in 10 years time because someone has done it but i just i don't think it it works you know that companies have to be something like auto trader or Carwow or companies like that where there's something else going on when it's just social media as we're saying cars is just too much of a niche Mm -hmm. um so yeah i'm i'm quite i'm i'm really happy that we've managed to kind of keep the drive trade brand going and i think i'm my main thing is kind of changing that perception of that disruptive negativity um to hopefully just being something that nowadays is actually much more conventional but Mm. doing some cool stuff with it basically
0: yeah before actually before we get into that the kind of drive tribe as it is now what was because i because i am fascinated and again i think this part of me that is fascinated from a like an inquisitive are they okay kind of point of view there's another part of me that battles on because I was certainly in that crowd of this I don't think this is going to work when I first heard of the concepts and I was maybe kind of like sitting on the fence of that I I think this is only going to last a couple of years and 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 it it did sadly but then at the same time once it got going and I could see like you say the kind of people that were working for Drive Tribe and writing for it and content producers. I was like, these are the good guys. Like, this is amazing. It's, it has to succeed. So when it all then went away, and I remember seeing the headlines and thinking, oh, this is actually quite sad because there's a lot of people that are now in employment, you know, mortgages to pay, rent to pay, that sort of stuff. What happened? Did, was it just a, a big outreach of, sorry, but no more? Or were there kind of opportunities to, was there any help to try and put people in other roles?
2: As, as I said, there's, there's there was lots of money floating around and because all these potential massive moneymaker projects were just being kicked about, that amount of money being dished out each month was just very quickly being pivoted from place to place. Mm-hmm. So there was a time, which, which is I guess the most front-facing time, was when that was the editorial team and you know i can't say numbers but some of the salaries getting kicked around there were ferocious from what i heard um and that i mean that's how they managed to get in these big big hitters i think you know that there was it's quite sad but i mean much worse for him but sad for myself Slightly that i think i shared the office with henry catchpole mm. for one day wow. i'm pretty sure i came in on i think it's the 17th of april mm-hmm. and i fairly sure he was out the door on the 18th wow which is really sad um But it was just that boom bust way of working, which I think a lot of startups, that's just how it goes. Mm. Uh, This project, this is how we're going to make our money. Okay, pile the money into there and I'm afraid everyone else that's left over kind of has to move on. Mm. Um, So yeah, there was lots of um, uh, weeks where there's some fairly brutal stuff going on, but you learn that's just how... um, how these startups work it's just how it happens so things definitely did stabilize as we went further along and we moved offices and um the ideas were given a bit more time each each time but yeah i think it's fair to say it never it never reached the, the potential people
0: were expecting from it do you think it ever could have or and if so do you think it was a case of it it would have just needed more money to be thrown into it um It's so tough to say. Like,
2: with the amount of money gone in, uh, no, I, I think the the sheer amount of cash that went into it, um, well, with that level of investment going into the company, I think the expectation that comes with that Mm. things have to happen incredibly quickly, um, because investors and shareholders, they're They don't want something to grow sustainably really to start with. No. They just want to see the sheer potential from this company and then go from there. Yeah. So that I guess that was fundamentally what was going on. Um there wasn't this, you know, slowly growing the team, growing the platforms. It was you have a very short amount of time to grow that as quickly as you possibly can mm. to justify it still being part of the company yeah so that you know the i think the facebook page the numbers that were going into that like the amount of followers it gained in such a short amount of time mm. was just incredible um and kind of similar with the youtube channel because we've got these these big names in people came straight over from the likes of evo yes and i think within by the time i got there so that was probably about three months into a proper editorial team being there i think i'd grown to nearly three hundred thousand subs but then that pivot happened mm. to I, I think it must have been a, a technology pivot instead of editorial and it just went dormant i'd yeah. like to go and have a look back at when was the last say Bovingdon or catchpole video yeah and then what will have probably been my first as this, this sweaty nervous <laughs> scotsman in a checked shirt i remember it's beside a jaguar xjr9 that was my first video <laughs> of um, course it was a <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah um but uh yeah we, we just had all all these platforms but as i say the the attention I almost see it as like the 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 eye from Lord of the Rings. It would just move to something else, yeah. and that thing it moved from would just be completely left in the dark. Yeah. Um. But that I mean that I don't think that's anything on drag price specifically. I just think that's London startup. Yeah. That's just how it works.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I I did print off. I got some. I was looking up some articles before you came in today to. So I wanted to find out what the. What sort of costs actually went into it? And it was a lot of money. $12.5 million is what's, according to the times, is what was spent on the Tribe Tribe. So, yeah, I mean, that's a, a staggering amount of money. Although, you know, there are some companies and organisations that spend that yearly on just adverts. But, um, yeah, when you're working on a niche industry doing that, then, yes, it's um, it's easy to see how once the wind gets blowing out the sails, how quickly it can all fold.
2: That's it, like that amount of money, like people, the, the higher ups are not going to be happy if you come no. in with like 100 gram profit that year. Mm. They want to see, they want you to spend almost all of that and create something that has the potential yeah. to then go nuts. Yeah. And that's basically what it was. Like, yes, that amount of money goes into it, but again, it's kind of weird with these news articles. That's what happens that money is there to be chewed through it's not as a sort of sit in the bank and Mm. okay here we go you have to chew through that yeah otherwise you may as well not bother correct so it's kind of this weird thing yeah i've seen the articles go up year after year and it was kind of a bit upsetting see you know drive tribe loses this amount of money and it was like well that is what we're here for that's literally what our job is is to carve through that money to create something the fact of the matter is we never managed to create that platform that social media platform to make the whole thing then go from that amount of money and then Mm. bungee jump up into into something yeah um but thankfully uh mr hammond saw the light saw a, a part of the business that was really thriving and that's kind of where we are now
0: good stuff let's cut to an advert break and then when we come back we're going to explore that new chapter of drive tribe with you at the helm doing some really cool video stuff the driven chat podcast in association with paramex
1: digital hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank
0: PlushCare Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com
1: slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
0: And we're back with Mike Fernie. Hello. hello. again. <laughs> To break that illusion for everyone. I like I like people to imagine that we've gone off and like made the made a cup of tea or something, but no, we've just sat here in silence for <laughs> a few seconds, gone, you're right, let's carry on. Yeah, cool. Yeah. We'll carry on. <laughs> uh, so Drive Tribe lives. Hooray! Yes, yes. It lives on. We're now into this new chapter, the current chapter of Tribe Tribe, which is really, really exciting. Big focus on videos. Yes. So how was the the team transformation then? At what point did you feel like you were perhaps given like a leadership role of right videos you clearly know what you're doing go out and make some videos (laughs) so
2: yes this is going back i think this must be 2018 or so so in kind of right in the middle of of drive tribe um searching for its, its 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 big idea um i had been a writer um having come from car throttle and was writing these engineering articles and uh you know, I, I, as I, as I said, like I, I grew up reading all of uh, Henry Catchpole's writing, watching all his videos, and that to me, like getting, becoming that person on camera, just seemed amazing to me, and was kind of my next goal. How do I get that level of like respectability and be that awesome mm. <laughs> when, when driving a car? I w- I want that. So there was this YouTube channel sitting. As I said, Henry, Jethro, uh, Vicky Parrott, they'd built up this channel, which I think at the time had, it, because they'd left, I think it'd come down to 250,000 subscribers. That's still huge. But it hadn't been uploaded on for about two years. Uh, so it just sat there. And then Drive Tribe then pivoted to become commercial. Mm-hmm. We suddenly uh, got a commercial team in and started to have a go there so um we i won't say we a, a part of drive tribe um basically got some clients in uh and we started putting out what i i would class now i wouldn't even call it a sponsored video i'd call it adverts okay so we were being paid a bunch of money to make adverts for these brands and you know not doing with that part of the business not knowing much about how social media works they would just whack it on the youtube channel so right. imagine as an audience yeah you've watched Catchpool, you've watched jethro bobbington and then next minute you're watching literally i mean i, I don't want to talk about what clients they were but <laughs> like very on the nose scripted mm. this is how this product works yeah. you know absolutely hellish really looking back at it um and the 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 sort of commercial team at the time they just couldn't understand why the comments and the down votes mm. and people leaving the channel why it was such a brutal response yeah. we've made this fantastic video what's wrong with it mm. um to the point where i know there was a meeting held where they wanted to literally delete the youtube channel really? and start again using this fundamental basically advert content going no out way. and i'm like one nobody could see that that was a bad idea no wow no So it was like that one what a waste because there's literally been millions of pounds poured into making that youtube channel work um and two that fresh channel will never get off the ground no like just pay for adverts if you want to go down that route pay Mm. for a youtube advert yeah yeah um so i basically stuck my hand up and said i would like to take my engineering articles and make them into videos because at car throttle that's exactly what happened alex would take some of my listicles and do like a voiceover video with them Mm -hmm. and they did fairly well i thought right there's some there's something there um so i i then went so my my ultimate car like road track whatever is the 1988 Le Mans winning silk Cut jaguar xjr9 doesn't get any better than that for Mm -hmm. me So I just shipped an email off to Jaguar Heritage being like, hey, we're Drive Tribe, we've got this channel, I would like to do an engineering breakdown of that car, how it works. Never expecting an answer next literally i think five minutes later yeah 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 when you want to come we'll get it cleaned up for you (laughs) i was like right so i've i kind of slightly regret it now because basically my first ever video with no presenting training yeah none of that hated drama at school you know just an app no presenting skill at all um suddenly i was getting the dream video handed to me first up uh and i just went and did it and i the 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 series was called Drive Tribe in Detail Nice, and it was uh, I just went round legendary cars um, picking out the best engineering bits Venturi tunnels and Mm. how V12's engines worked and what was fundamentally wrong with this car and all that kind of stuff Um, so I did a few videos, I did the XGR9 I did one of Jim Clark's cars that had an H16 engine incredible thing, Lotus 43 Uh, and Like suddenly, the audience was like, "No clue who this guy is." Yeah, hate his accent. He's (laughs) losing his hair, but this video was kind of cool. So I was like, "Okay, thank you, (laughs) thank you for that excrement (laughs) sandwich." That's (laughs) nice. Yeah, yeah. But I, but I really enjoyed it, and I don't know. I look back at it now, and I'm incredibly stiff, and it's cringe worthy to watch. But if you go on YouTube right now and drive tribe jag xgr9, you'll you'll find it. Yeah. And um, so yeah, that basically got the higher ups on board that the audience could be catered to. Yeah, you just need to do it with the right stuff. Um, so that's basically how it how it developed. Um, it then there was lots of people that then wanted to kind of have a go. Um, on the channel, like within Drive Tribe, so that you know there'll be a year looking back on the channel where it's kind of all over the place, everyone having a go mm. and. Um, it slowly started to settle into kind of what YouTube fundamentally is now, which is uh, ad revenues way down. Yeah, So you cannot make a profit from a YouTube channel now unless you're bringing in what I would call Matt Armstrong views. So mm. like, you know, million views a video. Yeah, That's basically where you need to be. If you're not doing that, you have to sponsor your videos. Yeah. And I I don't want to say we were the first because I think it was going on a lot more in America. But I think mm. in the UK we were one of the first channels to really take on and be upfront with sponsorship. Today's video is sponsored by X. Yeah. Um, And it took a bit of transition because at that time, you know, I, what was that, like three or four years ago, audiences weren't quite there with that. Like, Why yeah. are you trying to sell me Yeah, something? I was going
0: to ask, what was the reaction? Because I guess a lot of that audience will have been subject to the very clear, this is an advert, and we're ramming it yes. down your throat to then transition to, here's a cool video. But before we get into it, exactly. this section of the video is sponsored by Underpants, whatever it would yeah.
2: be. Yeah, so, so we tried to iterate it. To start with, you think the way to go is to be really subliminal and try and weave it into the video. Yeah. But the audience is way too clever, especially Absolutely. nowadays. Yeah. um, But and I still see some YouTubers trying to do it, and I'm like, mate, just just yeah. tell them. Yeah, just, yeah, exactly, This yeah. is an ad. This yeah. bit is an ad. Um. So, you know, we started with that, but then we realized, actually, no, we just need to be totally up front and the people that are really offended by it will just unsubscribe, fine. Yeah. And the people that get it will get it and we'll yeah. move from there. So that's where we're at now. Basically, we if a video goes up on Drive Tribe, like we'll put some Hammond stuff up unsponsored, mm. but fundamentally, if we put a video up on the channel, if it's not sponsored, we'd have to think, why isn't it sponsored? Yeah. So that that's kind of our business model now we're just using um you know we have a a commercial side to it and then we will make video content that we want to make propped up by that that commercial income um and i think most channels now in the uk are pretty much there there's still some I, i know shmi for example he's kind of opened his second channel up to kind of start hoovering up those mm. smaller sponsorships he still protects his main channel fair enough because yeah. he's just uploading so much that yeah. fundamentally that, it still
0: makes sense he's for got him. that initial crowd as well hasn't he from yeah he, he did it all at the right time he yeah got the exactly. audience in, and it's still a very committed audience and what i love about tim's audience this is Shmee 150 for anyone that's unsure is the fact that a lot of his audience now are 35 40 year old men who started watching the channel when they were in their mid-twenties yeah, and bad. I love that that's you know bad. because it, and it shows that you know you put the hard work and the longevity and it happens it does it does still work but yeah you're right I mean nowadays I, th- I think of the the donut media guys over in the US and yeah. you know they put the, the bright yellow bar across the bottom to even yeah. show you where the advert's gonna sponsors end sponsors will
2: like, ask you not to do that yeah. but some channels still do it yeah I think um and it is another really sad story within the industry the demise of carfection recently Mm. has been a real eye-opener to um, you know the way youtube now works and i know there's there was more going on behind the scenes there but i was always sitting there thinking they need to start sponsoring their videos and there has definitely been this thing of journalistic integrity yeah where i i can i can understand the way for example someone like henry has been orchestrating himself mm. over like 15 years or whatever if he was to suddenly say today's video is sponsored by yeah that that will be quite jarring and the way it was jarring for the drive tribe audience when yeah. we first started um so i think they, they've stuck to just making the nicest videos they could but mm. sadly youtube just doesn't function like that anymore so i I feel like um we're kind of in a sort of happy medium right now where we are we're investing in the production like we i would say our videos are quite high production in the grand scheme of like our space our space in youtube but we're also totally okay with you know explaining to the audience this the the only reason this video exists is because it's sponsored by these people Mm. like you can watch the ad you can skip the ads you know do whatever yeah, you want to yeah. do but like without them you're not watching this m5 yeah get manualized and all that sort of stuff so yeah, of and, I, and i'm i'm quite happy that um like well, it's fair to say we don't get virtually any complaints now about about sponsorship because the audience just understands that's that's modern youtube
0: now yeah absolutely i think you're right i think the there, there definitely was a time where People were almost offended by adverts. How dare you try to make revenue for this channel that I just want to sit and watch uninterrupted? You know, we on a, on the, the you know the scale of things are completely different. But we at Driven have a small YouTube channel. We put videos up every so often, and I still become baffled at the fact that people complain about the fact that there's a placed advert in there, i.e. One that YouTube have put in there. I'm like, that's not us. (laughs) Great video, but why are there so many adverts? It's nothing to do with us. You know, that's just what it is. But it is great that now, as you say, a lot of the modern audiences do understand how this world works. And it's not, you know, there's not this infinite bucket of money that we can just pick out of and throw video ideas together and make this content just for them for free. It has to come with some backing it has to come with and some it, sponsorship
2: and it allows you to do cooler stuff yeah. like I, you know we've just come back from a, a road trip um sponsored by shell and it, it was myself and richard finding our favorite roads in the uk so it was like a you know a four or five day trip mm. with a camera crew with two gas guzzling v8 <laughs> supercharged cars and you know if we were to try and do that organically oh. i mean we're probably talking I would say that road trip probably would have cost north of £30,000 wow. in total if we'd gone for that level of production. But then the second you have a sponsor on board and they get 90 seconds of the video where you deliver whatever you know they're wanting to wanting to promote, it just opens the door to mm. creating this really cool piece. I've not seen edits yet, but I'm really looking forward to yeah. those coming out because road tripping with one of the trio from Top Gear is just... I mean, it's dreamland, frankly. It's absolutely, absolutely ridiculous.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's one of the talking points I wanted to bring up because yeah, you mentioned that uh, you discovered Top Gear four or five years into its seasons, and yeah, I'm a, a few years older, but not, not a, a lot older, and I think we're both of that same generation where we, as many young guys and girls do, look up to... Clarkson Hammond and May and yes each of them bring their own controversies with various subjects but there is there's something about this this is a very magical era of time I believe I don't think there will ever be another television show that represents cars in the way that Top Gear of that era did Um, and I brought this up with Richard Porter when he came in and and had a chat on the podcast um, year and a half ago now Um, that clearly the production team: Andy Wilman, Richard Porter, Clarkson, Hammond, and May as brains of their own. It was just this magical recipe of brilliance that made amazing television. But that we won't ever see that again. And I, you know, even now, you only need to go onto YouTube and you can find hundreds, if not thousands, of accounts dedicated to clips of Clarkson, Hammond, and May just doing what they did for a weekly BBC television show that happened to be around cars. Yeah. So for you as one of these guys that sat watching them every Sunday evening or catching up and midweek or watching them on iPlayer, it must have just been the most incredible moment that you're then getting into a car with Richard sat beside you about to go off on a road trip or even, you know, film a short video for something else. Can you remember that very first time? Uh,
2: Yeah, I met them all individually. I know you've had Richard and James on. Have you had Jeremy
0: on? Uh, we have, uh, yes, he's been interviewed by Andy. Um, okay, so that was for Andy's separate podcast. But then, so have yeah. you met
2: Jeremy Clarkson? I,
0: I have never met Jeremy. No, right.
2: So I, he came in for a meeting, in our, when we had an office in Kings Cross, and the man is enormous. <laughs> like I think six feet six. So, yes. it, I mean tall, but yeah. like you see tall people all the time. There's something about Jeremy Clarkson. Everything is enormous. His (laughs) head is massive. His hands, they were like twice my hands. When you shook his hand, you were like, what is this? He's just, and with the personality that comes with it, that he just fills a room. I've never known anything like it. And he came in um, actually to pitch us ideas that are now on YouTube. Um, I don't know if you've seen, I think it must have been from 2017, 2018. He did like skits. Or he was dressed up as a, a Belgian um, uh, traffic policeman, a uh, traffic warden. Yes, of course. And he was taking, he was taking, he was writing a ticket for a car, but he'd always get distracted by a bakery behind him <laughs> and he'd go and have a, a pastry. Yeah. And he he was pitching this to us and you're th- sitting there being like, what do I, what do I say? <laughs> what if I don't like this? Oh, oh, you could improve it. You're just going to sit there and clap and give them the double thumbs up. <laughs> yeah. So yes, an incredible, He's incredibly intimidating, but I don't want that to be seen as in a negative way. Mm. He's just a massive presence. Mm. Um and to be fair, throughout Drive Tribe, I think I've only I think I've filmed with him three times. Mm-hmm. Um and I think I've only met him that one other time. So I think I've only been in, in his presence four times. Yeah. Um because he's just he was always incredibly busy. At that time he was just starting to get the farm stuff going of and course. this, that and the other. So out of the trio, he's the one I've had least contact with, but mm. he leaves an enormous impression. Yeah, I bet. Um, then it kind of shifted to James May. So James is it's it's kind of weird. He he has always been pitched as the 1950s <laughs> loves the queen like old man. Yeah. He is by far I think this has come to fruition nowadays. Yeah. He's by far the most hip out of those three. He he is cool. He is modern. He hates old stuff. Yeah. He doesn't like classic cars. Mm -hmm. Oh, the Triumph Herald. No. He wants to kick about in a you know a brand new Tesla and stuff like that. So I think I kind of feel a bit bad for him somewhat. You know, he's a multimillionaire, so I shouldn't really say that. But (laughs) at the same time, the image that he's being portrayed as is nothing like what he actually is. No. He he is a nerd, he's into his model railways and stuff, like I am, but He is very forward-thinking, very modern, and so he was the one to get most engaged with us at the start, because he wanted to get involved with social media. He liked it. Um, He sits up at night on his iPad watching YouTube. Like, he watches all the automotive YouTubers um, just because he wants to be aware of what's going on. So so he got really stuck in with us. So there was a period on the channel, probably about a a two-year period, where he was on it like Quite consistently, starting with my I did a little video with him, which was us um sussing out what Lightning McQueen was. <laughs> I got a big model like, like toy, uh kids' toy of him when we sat on a park bench and we basically just dissected him right and came up with, like a bit of Dodge Viper, a bit of Porsche 911, a bit of this, that, and the other. I think that's on like two and a half million views or something. So wow. it really kicked off. So that was my first kind of filming experience with him but then we just went nuts really doing stuff in his bunker mm. walk arounds of cars and any ideas he brought to the table there was definitely a james may kind of glory era on the <laughs> drive tribe channel um and we did our first roasting that's now become like a regular yes, thing has, youtube yeah. roasting youtuber influencer cars he loved doing that um and we'd have the odd hammond video but he was so busy with his production company called mm. chimp um doing you know other other sort of side projects he was quite hands-off with DriveTrack track by that time um so yeah it was basically mostly james may and my first experience with richard was i think we just filmed the QA video but again these guys i think my main feeling when you're in the room for the first time with these guys is you cannot believe that that voice is coming out of that person mm. cuz you know i i, I imagine like yourself i i was that kid that sat and watched all the reruns on dave absolutely i reckon there's certain episodes i genuinely think i could write you the script yeah the veyron race back from with with the truffle yeah yeah i'm pretty sure i could write that word for word and like storyboard it yeah Yeah, you cannot believe that the voice that you've you've heard on all these top gear episodes is then just coming out of this human in the room Mm, with you of course yeah and i would say i mean naturally you you chill out with them um so i'd say because of the sheer amount of time I've spent with James and now with Richard's like, I don't, that feeling's probably gone away, which is mm. a bit of a shame. Really. I still like, I sometimes I still can't believe what's going on, Yeah, but uh, I say that's chilled out. I'd probably still have that same feeling with Jeremy if I was in a room. Mm. Um, But yeah, now that we've gotten to this position where, you know, Richard is now the boss. um, There's some situations recently that, you know, 14 year old mike we just think <laughs> what on earth has happened how are you in that position i think there's two recently one was where we went and collected richard's old jag he owned a jag xjr yep. back in his top gear days and it came up for sale and we basically did a road trip up to i think it was lincoln in the uh, charger hellcat that we've got um to go collect it. And I'm you know, I used to do that as a 17 year old with my pals. We'd yeah. you know, share a ride because they were going to buy their Corsa for That's their right. first car and yep. stuff. And I was doing it with TV's Richard Hammond. It's just insane. Um and then as I say this one recently, like going on this road trip, both, you know, he was in his Jag, I was in the Dodge, went to the Lake District first and then up to the Highlands of Scotland for, for my road. Um and, you know, we're on the radios and it's, you know, I'm not, I'm not arrogant enough to say it was a Grand Tour episode, yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. But the, the kind of fundamental of, I'm following Richard Hammond in a car, having an on-camera radio conversation with him, it just blows my mind. How, yeah. how the hell has that happened? You know, it's <laughs>
0: insane. Love that. Love that. Yeah. No, I can imagine it perfectly. And what about the... Um... I've heard various accounts from people that worked on the production crew for Top Gear or um, other people in the media industry that have been on launches or been to events where they've met the three of them. I can imagine going to a motorway service station with a Richard Hammond is quite an experience.
2: Yes, it can kick off in certain places. (laughs) Um, All it takes is one person to break the seal of can i have a selfie oh yeah and then it's just bedlam sometimes <laughs> uh there was there was one petrol station on this road trip the petrol station near sterling where we were actually filming a bit near it we we're filming something where i literally emptied an armful of iron brew bottles into <laughs> richard's arms and you know to be fair people were polite and sat and watched us do that but then the second the a cam drops his camera yeah everyone just piles in and um you know richard's incredibly good in those situations he's more than happy to give his time to people um and yeah it's just really cool to see that there's there's a couple of crazy moments where someone has and i think like one of the main things one of my main jobs is to make sure that drive tribe isn't just fundamentally to do with the trio of there's course. just other stuff going on so what's really nice sometimes is they get the fright of their life i will, I will be for example in the dodge and someone <laughs> will come up and be like, oh this is the drive drive car mike oh this is really oh, really cool great. not knowing that richard hammond is literally in the passenger seat <laughs> so they're looking at me and then they just clock richard hammond sitting next to me and they just can't believe it but that's it's quite nice for kind of richard to see that as well of course. That, his, that his the brand that he's essentially taken over yeah is becoming this 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 thing that's not you know solely based on on essentially old top gear mm. um it's it's really cool having that fundamental and having that base um, for people you know i, I almost feel like we've inherited that that era of, of mm. top gear fan for the channel Um, But it's basically my prime job to make it more than that and make it live outside of Richard roasting YouTubers and,
0: you know, that kind of stuff. Love it. Love it. Yeah. As you say, that must be that must be great for Richard to be able to see that, because, of course. Yeah, it's a big leap, isn't it, to go off with this new brand and it could be so easy to just sit there and go, oh, well, you know, I've had my day. I've had my moment. That's done now. It's time to move on, to other things um or or, you know let let that world move on and i'll just sit happily in my armchair knowing that i was part of it for a chapter but to see that yeah what he's now putting his time and effort into is still growing and still working yeah he's a super
2: like aspirational dude like he he um still wants to attack projects and Mm. and build something i think um uh you know with with the, the success of top gear fundamentally like it was all kind of constricted by the fact it was the bbc and then mm, i think the grand course, tour yeah. has allowed them to kind of stretch you know open up the shoulders a bit and and make it much more kind of their brand although yeah. it's fundamentally amazon i think they've just kind of really um explored it a bit more um and i think now like you look at it's he's not you know messing around he's got a massive classic car restoration business mm. he's got his production company that's filming all these tv shows one of them being about the classic car restoration business and then now he's got drive tribe which is now kind of becoming a proper company um, I'd say you know before it was just this massive behemoth yeah and now that he's taken it over and he's he's sorted out what actually works we're now building something really nice and i i can't wait to see where we're at in like five years time um same because it's it's building quite nicely
0: yeah brilliant oh that's amazing so I've got a list here of the uh, the project cars now this I mean I think project car is like that golden ingredient isn't it when it comes to I want to make car content for YouTube that people are going to enjoy watching project car is a huge tick you know it makes perfect sense but I especially love that you've picked cars that are perhaps not the ones you'd immediately think of like when you know project cars you might think of it's going to be a car we're going to take on track so we'll get an mx5 or a lotus elise or something along those lines the first one uh, and correct me if this isn't the first one but the first one you chose happened to be an e61 m5 touring well it does go further back than ah. that the first ever drive project car was don't tell me it was a british leyland
2: product no not quite uh. it was a ford mondeo ah. st200 Right. So that was my, uh, essentially my graduation present from my dad. Ah. It cost 900 quid and it was a rotten old V6. ST. It was basically my, my little touring car on the mm. roads so that like Mark two sort of Alan menu. Yeah, yeah. Mondeo. Um So I basically brought that with me um, to drive tribe and didn't do much with it, but then convinced the higher ups that we should have a project car. Yeah. Again, like full cars on the table like i I was just looking at what car throttle were doing, mm. and they were just seemed to be having a great time with these just yeah. buying these cheap cars, doing fun things with them. I thought, right, I've got one of those, let's have a go and what was perfect was a grand tour episode went out about three months before us sort or of brought it to the table where Hammond and May sat in an s t two hundred and agreed it was the one car, one of two now that they all agree they like. Brilliant. There's two cars in the world. It's a Subaru Legacy Outback and the Ford Mondeo ST200, the only two cars that they all have nothing bad to say <laughs> about. So that was the title for the series: "Restoring the the um, the car that Clark's Hamden may all love." And the views, frankly, for a Ford Mondeo <laughs> were insane. I think it's you know the first episode got something like nine hundred thousand views, which for wow. a, a two thousand Mondeo is just. <laughs> so I've still got that car now. It's gone through quite a journey, but it's now a fully restored Mondeo C two hundred. So when it went from that to, um. My my Rover twenty five. Ah, now, this is I. I can't <laughs> believe this happened. This it. Yeah, I look back on it and think, how on earth? So my first car Rover twenty five. Yeah, I sold it. It it. I sold it to nearly to a schoolmate, but I went to a a fireman, I think. Uh, and I bought other cars. I went an Alpha GTV MX five after that, and um, I was driving home from drive tribe in a press car i think it was a lotus at the time driving on the outskirts of Edinburgh, i went past the military barracks mm-hmm. the the car park was just on the left and i, I saw this red mgzr sitting there fully abandoned mm-hmm. i was like oh i used to have one of them i get closer to it and i was like oh i even put that wing on it and oh he's done the same thing and then i get properly i get parallel with it and i'm like wait a minute Mm. That's (laughs) SG51HEU. That my first car was sat abandoned in a military barracks just outside Edinburgh. No way. So I basic I I phoned up the barracks and I said, "How can I get that car back?" Because like everyone always says, "Oh, I'd love to have my first car back." And there was that opportunity. It was absolutely ruined. The poor thing is absolutely you know rusted through, and the tires were completely bald. It turned out it had basically been bought by a soldier at the barracks who'd gone off to Afghanistan um, and had f- completely forgotten about the car. And the wow. lads at the barracks used it as a
0: bit of a <laughs> you know, a, a get-around. Yeah, a pool car.
2: Yeah. Um, so basically, I got this opportunity and I said, please can I have it back? And they said yes. So we then hauled this car down uh, to the Midlands and got it restored um, back to its former glory. And we sold it for a um, to support a military charity um, right. called Scotty's Little Soldiers, really cool charity. Um, and you know, people went mental at me saying, "Why did you sell? Why did you get rid mm. of your first car, having just saved it?" Um, and I think fundamentally, with cars, like you can you can have lots of good memories with a car, but also there's the door open for some not that nice memories either. Yes, that's true. So I kind of felt that my time was kind of done with that car mm. and so we sold it for this charity but i the coincidence yeah of that i just couldn't believe like i i now firmly believe in fate like that <laughs> is in there everything happens for a reason 100 yeah. percent. like that car was insane um so then i went from that to uh mg ztt so mm. the estate car because estates are always cool but then i basically thought wait a minute i think by then we were on like a million subscribers and i thought um the cars have been quite mundane so far they've Mm. been successful people watch it but they have been quite mundane let's really turn up the wick let's get a proper spicy car and i wanted to keep with an estate and i growing up like yourself like in a certain era of formula one mm-hmm. the v10 engine mm-hmm. is the one yep v12s yeah whatever v8s yeah too many of them the v10s where it's at um and i thought right we have to get what well, it was it was either going to be an audi or a bmw but the audi v10s apart from the one in the r8 or the twin turbo one in the rs6 they're pretty mundane as mm. v10s go yeah you're they're right. all like 300 horsepower not that high revving mm-hmm that bmw engine i didn't quite understand how insane it was until we bought one and picked it up i can't believe they put that in a road yeah. car it's yeah.
0: insane it is the closest thing to a formula one yes, powertrain absolutely you can buy in a car unless you're buying a um f50 ferrari yeah which sure. is actually an f1 car <laughs> with a <the> body shell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah that you're absolutely right and i again like you i guess Similar sort of age bracket. I can remember when that car came out. Mm. I can remember, I can remember thinking, "Oh, it doesn't look very nice," but yes, gosh, it makes an interesting noise. And then finding out more about, you know, what makes that car so special. It's a car that's likely to not be rivaled in terms of. Here's an ordinary-looking family car with an F1 engine in it.
2: Yes. So yeah. yeah.
0: So again,
2: estate version. Estate version. So the E61. We, um, we bought it from a, a bmw engine specialist so we thought this is going to be the one to get perfect yeah we got it cheap because it had been in a small fire always um, always a wonderful statement. yeah it's yeah. yeah. um, been a small fire <laughs> <laughs> but in the boot
0: wasn't it, it, it got yeah back fire.
2: right so it's actually something that the car has got recalled for back in the day ah. and it got recalled but the uh, technician didn't mount the wiring properly so it set fire at having been recalled for the fire (laughs) issue so there was a small fire in the back right which singed um it's a really it was a really high spec car alcantara down the entire roof Mm. and that got burned and essentially brought off the car because there was so much alcantara in it that the insurance company along with some other panels thought no this is this is a write-off um, so it was a what do they call it now? It's a category N. N. Non-structural, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So we got it cheap, um, and we kind of the aim was always to switch it to a manual because oh. that gearbox, um, actually it actually comes back to you. <laughs> because that car throttle yes you used to get ragged yes I for did. having an smg m3. laguna seca yes m3 yes uh so it actually stuck in my mind i since read articles then. about yeah, it yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> and i remember alex absolutely ribbing you for it so it stuck in my head that smg was awful yeah um and to be honest and i i, I disagree i think if you learn to drive them they're mm, perfectly fine exactly that um, but I thought for content, like one fundamentally, this is a frighteningly uh, unreliable car. Mm. These V tens grenade themselves yeah. at any given opportunity. Yeah. So that's exciting for yeah. the internet. Yeah. And then I thought, let's go because I knew it was possible. I thought let's try and put a manual in it, and that's that's what we did. And it worked. It
0: worked. My God, people watched. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was very
2: cool. Uh, it's it's probably the best. It's the best car we've had on the channel. It was the coolest project. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of set up a next one. And actually, this might be... uh, Am I right Mm -hmm. in saying Mm -hmm. your Mm -hmm. co-presenter, Amy Shore, Mm -hmm. has an Oxford Green... Keep talking. E46 Touring. She does. She does, she
0: does, yes.
2: Do you think she would take (laughs) an offer to buy the car? Um, Um... Gutted, she that she sold the X type by the way, but we'll move away
0: from that. <laughs> she may well do. You're aware it's a non-M sport, so it's an right. S E. Right. Perfect. Oh, hang on. I can see what's coming. <laughs> so. I
2: can see I d it. I don't want to well, maybe I shouldn't put this out because Al <laughs> Kirsten will steal it. <laughs> He's
0: too busy buying clapped out old AMGs, don't worry. I
2: about want to make a E46, Oxford Green, touring. Put the M body kit on it. Mm -hmm. So we've already taken pictures at the museum where there's one E46 M3 touring, M3. We're going to weld the proper arches on it so it looks like an M3 and then V10 DCT swap it. So the DCT from the (laughs) E92 M3 because that fun, like that, will make it so quick compared to the old SMG automated manual. But people have already done v8 swaps in it so like yeah. what has no one ever done so uh e46 m3 touring v10 dct Brilliant. that is
0: but by, so, by the end of this year i want that to exist when i said i think i can see where you're going you then completely <laughs> went a different you jumped my uh, my presumption that is amazing yeah
2: because that uh, well, also fundamentally as a channel um bmws just do well on the internet Mm. like we've kind of i'm i'm admittedly not that big a bmw fan i'm a big jag man so bmw is kind of the enemy Mm. um but let's face it they've won (laughs) (laughs) bmw have won the battle they've killed mondeo man with the three series they've killed jaguar just by existing yeah um so fair play we're going to make hopefully the most awesome resto mod slash ferociously unreliable e46 touring ever so please amy wherever you are sell me your e46 oxford green touring please i love this because
0: <laughs> <laughs> it has to be oxford green i don't think it can be anything else no you're right it is the color so another throwback to uh, our car throttle days i don't know if you were there again there was another intern similar sort of time edwin yes yeah yeah, yeah so yeah. i i still there yes he is of course yeah, yeah. so edwin came with me from gumball Edwin oh, cool. was my intern at Gumball and then when I started at Car Throttle, he brazenly jumped into my DMs and went, Can I come now to Carthrottle?" No, like, no, he knows his yeah. stuff. He's So he has awesome. he's also he's the proud owner of an Oxford Green E forty six M three. Did you are you aware of this? Oh I thought you were about to say touring. No, 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 no. no, no. Yes, yes, yeah. Yes. And he's done a V he's done a V ten swap. <laughs> yes. No. no, yes, he's got yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm low key trying to get that from him. Okay. I I want that car. 'Cause I think an Oxford Green E forty six M three is the ultimate car.
2: So I, I couldn't believe they used to be like five grand. Oh right. don't.
0: well you destroyed the values of E sixty one M fives. Because I can I can vividly remember going on Auto Trader, putting in M five clicking the lowest to highest because we all do it let's all, let's be honest we all do that when yep. we're looking for our cars yep, yep. and um, in the rankings of 12, 13, 14,000 pound M5s there were Tourings and then you put your videos on YouTube and you ruined it because they're now all 35 I, grand
2: if you had been up for it I would have given you a very good deal on it because the thing is the drive-drive Touring would have stayed in the industry I would have been well up for it who's got it? who bought it? Uh, some German man How's who it? has not actually come to collect it? Oh yet. So, well.
0: if you want it <laughs>
2: <laughs> But no, the the reason I'm asking about E46 M three prices is because um Alex has recently bought yes. what seems to be a bit of a down and out E46 M three rotter. And it was 9,250 pounds. Oh,
0: well, was it that much? I think it was yeah. a bit cheaper than that, no? I swear it was nine grand. Oh, I thought it was only about I'm looking for my phone. Fa- I thought it was only about and I'm like, seven if, or eight. If, pounds. if
2: that is bargain bucket E46M3, mm. what what is a nice one? Got Edwin got, will be charging you thirty grand.
0: I think he'll he'll want close to twenty Yeah, twenty-five ish, I I oh would think. Oh my god. But you're right, because I you know, I bought mine. We've we've fallen into the gear. Uh, the category of we might as well just be down the pub now. But I bought mine <laughs> for £6,500 £6, in 2013 and thought I'd won the game at that. I was yeah. like, that seems sensible. Yeah, yeah. It was the dream car in the dream colour. Laguna Seca, wasn't Laguna it? Laguna Seca, yeah. yep. And then I sold it back to a guy that had owned it, the guy that had part-exchanged it with the guy that I bought it from, so two owners back. And he found the car, again, like a, a chance encounter I was running a workshop in East London and he happened to be the logistics guy that dropped off a car on behalf of somebody else. And there in the workshop was my M3, his old M3. And he bugged me for two years. Kind of bite that, kind of like that, kind of bite back. Kind of bite back. Yeah. And eventually I did sell it to him for eight and a half thousand pounds. And I thought, I have You're a made dealer. the money. Yep, I've I've done the deal. That's it. Keep doing this for a few years. I'll be living in Monaco <laughs> Living the dream. Yeah, they're now 20 grand. What on earth is going on? Yeah, What's but
2: you've on? also got a ZTM
0: Coupé, which mm. you must be laughing about now, as long as you haven't put it in a ditch. No. The car is still mine. Uh, it is, however, as of yesterday.
2: What are you paid to see here?
0: In a dealership.
2: On... Um... You're
0: selling the ZTM. I am. Um, that is John Markar. <laughs> How can I you know. be selling that? Yeah, it is for sale. It is for sale. Um, yeah, I, nobody really knows oh, about God. this yet. I've not even talked about this on social media yet uh, because of that reaction. And um, I, yeah, I, I've just decided I, I, need, I want something new. I want to have a new adventure. Uh, okay. I've owned that car now since 2016. Okay. It's been a long Any time. clues
2: as to what you're looking at?
0: I'm really stumped because I, there's part of me that wants a bit of an everything car. Uh, I, I have very fond memories of that M3 and I think now, because you can get for uh, not, a, not a lot more than what E3, E46 M3s cost, um, you can get a very good early M4 Which I think could be a great everything car, occasional tractor. You're
2: keeping it in the family, then you're not, because people always say the reason BMW drivers don't drive Porsches is because they can't afford them. Well, but your Z3m, I don't want to go into how much that's on the market for,
0: unless you want to say. But I imagine that is Porsche money. I don't know because I because it's so unusual. It has the wrong wheels. It's got the wrong seats. The steering wheels on the wrong side. The boot. The bonnet's made of plastic. The windows are made of plastic. It's not a purist car. Somebody, the, the only person that's going to buy that car in the condition it's in, really is going to really want that car.
2: But I but I think um, maybe it's just because we're in a microcosm, but I believe that that will be a known car. Mm. And that has, you will have a friend that will be like, yes, that will know the car and be like, yes, I'll have it. Perhaps. Yeah. That's the way I can see that going. We'll
0: see. It's currently with low classics in um, Abergavenny. Uh, the the guy that i i think is if you've got a, a slightly unusual older car to sell that's where it goes i didn't want the hassle of selling a car myself so that's where it is so yeah um wow. here you go there's another exclusive Breaking that i haven't news. talked about um if uh, and i don't know we haven't we haven't settled on a on a price in all honesty i in my head i'm i'm thinking 30ish but i don't know maybe have that's too you, much you bought
2: it for here we go <laughs>
0: Fourteen thousand. Oh my God! So uh, he's rolling in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll see. But you know, I, again, I, I am a firm, firm, firm believer of the statement that any item in the world, be it car, house, boat, it is only ever worth what someone's willing to pay for it. And I could ask, you know, I could go completely full bottoms and go sixty grand. It's never going to sell for sixty grand. It's never going to sell for fifty. It, you know, we'll see.
2: In a world where RS500 Cosworth yes. sell for half a million pounds. Who knows? You could be steering at a hundred grand Beamer.
0: <laughs> well, again, <laughs> CSL M3s. That was the other one that I was hoping was in my sights for. That would be a nice progression oh. from the Z3M. And all of a sudden, they're a hundred grand. Yeah. What on earth is happening And the, And a lot of
2: them are being manualized by the person that yes. does uh, everything M3, everything M now. Uh, he did the M5. Yeah, he's he's got constant CSL it's customers. A waiting list, yeah. Yeah.
0: Mad. Yeah. <sighs> Well, The Driven Chat podcast in association with Paramex Digital. So, other than Amy Shaw's, maybe, um, (laughs) E46M3 in Oxford Green touring with a V10 DCT. DCT. (laughs) I'm I'm struggling to get past it because I think that'll make a really good badge
2: on the rear. If we
0: just stencil that out in a massive badge (laughs) on the rear. Well, abbreviate it. (laughs) Hang on. So, it would (laughs) be. Amy Shaw, so A S E forty six M three touring, touring. So we'll put T. <laughs> yeah, V ten uh, V ten D C T D C T. So A S E forty six M three T V ten D C T.
2: Lovely. That'll go from the BMW badge in the middle all the way <laughs> to the brake light.
0: Ah. <laughs> oh. Perfect. So other than the ASE46N3T V10 DCT, what else can we expect to see?
2: So we're just about to start a project on Richard's Subaru from the Grand Tour. So he, on the last, the Norway one, he had an Impreza STI. Ah. uh, V-Limited. Scandi Flick. Yes, exactly. Mm. And he wrapped it in a martini livery and it was called Martin. So we are going to basically restore it because these cars come back from the grand tour battered yeah, can I only imagine so we're just going to get it as a nice example that's what our audience likes they don't like anything crazy they yeah. like returning it to factory so that's what we're going to do apart from he wants 500 horsepower from it um which i think is okay. doable for yeah. those engines. so we'll be doing that um something that i would like to do i've yet to find the right car for it but do you know the alfa romeo brera
0: I do, I'm a big fan. Well, exactly,
2: exactly. I feel like everyone, again, that grew up with Top Gear, yeah. the Brera like a thing. Yeah. Uh, apparently, it was a letdown as a driver's car. It mm. looked great, yeah. but it drove like a Fiat or whatever it was based on. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would like to get my hands on one of those and make it the car it should always have been. Okay. So either a V6, they had the Buso V6, which is the obvious one, but they also did a five-cylinder diesel, um, which you can make sound like an Audi Quattro if you get the right exhaust on it. And I've been told it's lighter up front, so actually handling-wise it's the one to go for. But will I get shouted at for not getting the Busso V6? I'm mm. not sure.
0: What will cause more int- internet controversy and get people commenting? That's well, the question.
2: Well, yeah, piss people off of getting the diesel, <laughs> possibly. Um, another one I can't talk about because it's linked to the next Grand Tour, but it'll be in line with that. Um, one I can talk about, and actually, it's off the drink that's in front of me right now. <laughs> I would like to get my hands on a Red Bull mini ah, you know, with the cans on them. Yes, and it just so happens Richard, uh, Richard's landlord at the smallest cog. Yeah. So the workshop next door is a place called HMS Engineering, and they build just like industrial stuff, mm-hmm. steam engines, cranes, all that kind of thing. They've got something called a sonic cannon. I
0: and like where this is going.
2: This is an insane piece of kit. You, It's used to fire at clouds, and it will immediately disperse a cloud. And it was built in France because they had, there was a few years where they had really bad hailstorms and it was destroying crops. No way. They'd literally fire a sonic boom into a hail cloud, and it would just disappear. So... <laughs> I would like him to build a cast iron cannon to fit within the can of the Red Bull Mini <laughs> so that we can park this up at Goodwood or whatever car show will be willing to have this And improve the weather. <laughs> well, either that or just <laughs> fire stuff out of it. Um, so literally have a Red Bull like siege cannon. Oh, my God. Um, the only issue is... Uh, uh, Red Bull Mini, they're all crushed once they're finished. Are they? Because they're not actually taxed cars. They're, they get through this tax loophole of being like marketing something ah, or others.
0: I've heard a similar thing about UPS trucks. Yes, yes, it, right. it will be the
2: exact same as that. And so if you have one privately, and there are some people that have them, mm. you have snuck them out of garages that are specifically contracted to crush them and decommission them. I see. So uh, my plan is to somehow get hold of one I know they exist And I'm chatting to a few people Great. And create a medieval siege
0: cannon <laughs> <laughs> Because YouTube Yeah, stuff. because why not? <laughs> if you are the proud owner of a Red Bull Mini Then um, feel free to email us I'll pass it on podcast, yeah. Uh Subject line I have a Red Bull Mini So I need a Red Bull Mini mm-hmm. And I need Amy's E46. Amy's E46 Yeah, one may be easier than the other and i won't say which yes (laughs) because i just genuinely don't know uh that's pretty exciting um and you mentioned this road trip with richard hammond yes when when can we when's that likely to be be coming
2: out so this is going out on monday coming this will
0: it'll be going out fairly soon i'd
2: say in the month of march great uh there will be a two-part road trip where Richard's in his Jaguar XJR, recently restored, and I will be in the Drive Tribe Charger Pelcat, mm-hmm. and we will be finding Richard's and then my favourite roads in the UK. Amazing. Uh So his is in the Lake District in this beautiful village called Buttermere, which, mm-hmm. uh, have you seen his tree video? Where he... No. talked about his, his crash is big talk, i haven't seen that yet no
0: I've, I've been hovering over the thumbnail a few times so i've wanted to allow <laughs> myself a good stint of time to actually sit and watch yeah it.
2: so yeah. that that's buttermere right so we, we did a video on that um and i can give this one away he crashed within 10 minutes of the camera switching on nothing wow. bad but <laughs> he just did a richard hammond <laughs> Um, and then yeah, then we go up to the Scottish Highlands, uh, predictably to my favourite road, um, which was a really really cool trip. If you wonder what going on a road trip with one of the Top Gear trio feels like, it's pretty effing awesome, I and imagine. I thoroughly recommend it.
0: Yeah, I'm oh, looking forward to that. That's going to be great. Uh, can we know what your favourite road is, or shall we wait and see? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's called the Duke's Pass. Yep. It's uh, just off a village called Aberfoyle. And it's a proper so Richards Road was like just it was single track but it's like picturesque. I was gonna say, yeah, the Lake like, District Roads are yeah, yeah, tiny narrow. It wasn't it was just what it meant to him. That's yeah. why it's his favorite road. Well my road is as a twenty year old where I would take my yeah. MX five yeah. to rag the hell
0: out of it. I I rode on a Royal Enfield bike only in August last year, Juke's Pass oh cool I mean, it's, it's yeah just
2: amazing. it is more a biker's road yeah. um but yeah so the, and the, the amazing thing with it i'm pretty sure every single corner cambers with you uh-huh. so it's just i mean it feels like bits of the nurberg ring sometimes yeah, that yeah. you really tuck the car in that over two ton hellcat wasn't exactly ideal for it <laughs> but still it, it was cool to try and hustle it up there
0: amazing amazing exciting stuff Yes, coming soon. Coming soon to a YouTube channel near you, a computer screen or mobile telephone near you. You mentioned, and and we've kind of skirted around this subject a few times throughout our chat, but the engagement from the viewer, and you mentioned that when you first came on the channel, there are people, they were like, oh, funny accent, but, you know, seems to know his stuff. Mm -hmm. Does, Does, how do you react to feedback, as in the comments that are constructive versus the comments that are just a bit silly? Does it get to you? Do you? Um, you know what's interesting? I, I, um,
2: you. This is nothing on you. It's a very good thing to bring up. Very interesting thing. You ask a lot of your guests about, about your feedback, mm. so you um, you must really sort of dive into it quite a lot, which is a good thing to do. Um, I. It's it's been very interesting. I. I've. Um, as I say, I, I came in with no video experience at all mm. to a YouTube channel with quarter of a million subscribers. Of course, yeah. So that um i've they've the audience has literally watched me learn how to vaguely become a youtube presenter Great. ever since so they've seen me make absolute howler mistakes they've seen me do some stupid things say some stupid things um so there's that aspect another aspect is some people come to the drive drive channel and fair play to watch the trio yeah, between course. grand tours yeah so there are people that will see that it's not richard and they'll click off or in some extreme cases they'll leave a nasty comment but i just have to fully come to terms with the fact that of course Mm. i'm not anywhere near the level of richard Hammond. so i can see why some people may be kind of disappointed in that and my my only goal is to convince some of those people that actually that scottish lad isn't that bad and actually that's quite a cool car and he's doing Mm. a cool thing with it um so it there have been times where it's been quite brutal, um, and there's kind of nothing you can really do about it apart from just know that you've made a good piece of content, mm-hmm. you're happy with it, and I again, like I feel that if I wasn't working at Drive Tribe, I would be a subscriber. Yeah. So like if if I think it's an okay video, then you know on the most part the audience will too. So yeah, it's been a, it's been a really interesting journey, and. I've, I'm sort of learning how to deal with that feedback. I, my general rule is I will wait for the video to mature. I'll wait for the YouTube algorithm to sort out the comments. And then I will read the top five. Okay. Just to get a gist of what the audience thinks of the video. Whether they've liked it, whether they fundamentally not liked it, what stuck out to them. You can generally get that from the top five comments. Anything below that, you're just opening yourself up to mm. stuff that our brains are not sort of program to deal with um so that's the way i keep it thankfully my production guys they are what these people that refresh constantly and read every comment so they mm-hmm. can do that for me yeah and if i need to hear something i'll hear it but i think you know if i read through every comment on all our videos i would probably quit within a fortnight do you think you would yeah it's just it's it's uh, humans aren't currently built to deal with instant feedback and it's, it's it's frustrating that our brains work in a way where the 10 nice comments are completely drowned out yeah. by um by a nasty one for example where i put up a post i did like a collab with richard on instagram from mm-hmm. our road trip and it's me and him standing beside the dodge and you know loads of really nice comments but then there was just this one guy who talked about how he loves drivetry, but mm. that guy. And like, it, it was interesting to kind of sit and look at it, being like, I've just had this insane experience yeah. with Richard. yeah, And this guy has then said that, like, does that even slightly, do I let that even slightly impact the, the experience that I had, knowing that someone doesn't like the fact that I'm standing next to him? Mm. Um, I don't really know the answer to that. I guess no. it, it shouldn't. But there's no two ways about it. I sat and looked at it and thought, like, why? Like, mm. why, why is that person thought like that? But then when you realize there's absolutely nothing you can do about that person's nah. opinion, apart from just do your best. And if they happen to watch the video, they'd be like, oh, I called that guy a mug. But actually, mm. he's like
0: Richard vibes with him. So maybe I should too. Um it's a fascinating... And the reason I always ask about it is because I, I find it fascinating. I don't know what the answers are. I don't even know where my intrigue comes from. But I I think because, I, again, I came into this industry as somebody that was from a production side and not even from media production, from event production, before I then delved into the world of media. And I think but my big first exposure to it all was at Car Throttle and seeing... People giving negative comments, and there because there were so many comments coming in, I was kind of like, "Oh, it doesn't really matter." Mm. And this wasn't towards towards me or, or even anyone else particularly. It would be, you know, uh, the fact that it might be a car that they don't like, and somebody's gone out of their way to tell us we got a fact wrong or something like that. But then I have since, obviously, then appearing on YouTube channels. You know, I've seen bits and pieces, and as I said right at the beginning, you can't please everybody. There's always going to be someone that doesn't like the way you say something. Um, but yeah, I find that the, I find the psychology of it all absolutely fascinating. And, and like you say, you know, it, it's—is it, it, it warranted that that one comment can detract from that whole experience? And the fact that, but sadly, are, it can. It can. There are situations and, where it can. And you're right because the, us as humans, if we hear ten lovely compliments in a day, but two people give us a bad compliment, that's the one we take away. It's yeah. and it's a shame. And I, I don't know how it's ever improved i don't know how we get rid of it because again the comments are coming from people that aren't aren't ever even imagining themselves in the position of fronting content presenting content bringing a story creating a story writing a script coming up with the ideas they're the people that are sat at home perhaps in a job they're not very happy with or you know perhaps they they dream of it but don't it never worked out it's i do find the and I don't even know where I'm going with the statement because I, I can't come to a conclusion of it because I will never understand it.
2: No, I, I totally I I, I have fallen into a, a similar mindset as well. And uh, what I was saying earlier, I've really enjoyed listening to your other guests and mm. listening to their answers from different areas of, of the industry. Because, for example, if Richard was to be asked this question, mm. he would have a very different answer because his heyday he would only ever really hear about how a Top Gear had been reviewed if he bought a newspaper. Yeah. Realistically. Yeah. Yeah. There was an era where that, if he wanted to know what they thought of him in that episode, you'd open The Guardian or whatever. Mm, yeah. Well, now, I, we can pull up a bit of content and literally within a minute, there will be opinions being thrown around, mm. which is just it's it's such a bombarding thing that I've just fully disconnected from it. And mm-hmm. as I say, I will, I will dip in When I I hate the first half hour of a video going live, I get incredibly anxious about it, I hate it, Um, and I I never want to sort of sit and watch it once it's live, I kind of schedule it and then try not to think about it, but I think that's from a time when, I mean there was a a fairly um, vicious era where we had lots of james on the channel mm. and then me popping up like it did rile people up because like, i've not subscribed to drive i've subscribed to drive tribe to watch james may yeah. and i that i can totally understand that because he's going to be the thumbnail that you click on and this that, and the other. Of course, yeah. Um, and i think thankfully over the last two years or so we've managed to transition away from that Um, from just being reliant on them and people will now come to the channel to watch the latest project like we're doing a jaguar thing right now and Mm. uh, the beamer before it um but yeah it's it's i don't want to sound like you know working for drive drive is is horrendous or anything. it's not there's some pretty there can be some bad moments but overall it's, it's 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 been it's been incredibly good but um yeah i i I don't know what to do about being seen sometimes as a blocker mm. to the likes of Richard Hammond because without the content that we're creating like the projects outside of Richard of there wouldn't really be a company no if it was just if it was just Richard Hammond on or James May on YouTube um you know it, it's there's such big names that the whole way youtube works i.e bringing on sponsors we we would struggle because mm. the, the fees would you know they'd be, yeah, be, they'd be enormous so like yeah. there does need to be like levels to to make it all work um but yeah i did I,
0: again I, I don't really know what i'm saying now it's
2: no. <laughs> it, it's amazing but it's really it's sometimes really difficult yeah like you know yeah it's, <laughs> it's
0: yeah it will it will continue to be i mean for ages i've been talking about um finding a, either a psychologist or a psychotherapist to come on and address this sort of thing because there's so much about this new modern age of media creation that, as you perfectly put it, we as humans are not supposed to experience the emotions we experience in such, such a short space of time and yet we allow ourselves to be bothered by it and I wish that we could all just have the ability to switch it off and go, it's nonsense, it's on the internet, it doesn't matter. I,
2: I've thought about maybe i don't know whether this would be a really good thing or whether it'd be really bad i've thought about having what in my mind is called like a hater day (laughs) at the smallest cog where Mm. like i genuinely find the nastiest comments of people that we know are in the uk and invite them down and like have a have a day with them them at the smallest cog and um because i i've i think i've had some small versions of this there's kind of two ways like if you actually reply to someone um, having with them having left an after comment, ninety percent of the time they m- are massively apologetic yes, because yes. they suddenly realise there's someone on the other side of that comment, someone, yeah. someone on the phone. So that's one thing. But also we've we've started doing events now. So like um, being at the NEC, I will have people saying like, "Oh, I I wasn't a big fan of you on the channel to start with, and I hated the Mondeo, but actually now I've I've started." i've had people come up to me saying yeah i hated you at first but now i actually watch all your videos and i don't know how to take that because it's like well why did you hate me yeah such a such a strong word do to have got that emotion from Mm -hmm. you apart from just not being james may yeah um yeah so but then i'm like I, i yeah, I think I say thank you. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, why why did you initially react like that? So yeah, mm. I don't know whether it would be a good thing or whether it would just be um, dragging something up that doesn't need to be dragged up I think to actually possibly, get, yeah. get in front of these people. Because yeah. then, I don't know, I, I don't know whether that would, it probably wouldn't change because there's always the next person to take their place. Yeah, um, perhaps,
0: perhaps. The, I, a mentality I often like to think about, and I, you know, I count myself quite lucky, the, the content that we put out, Isn't massive. We don't have a huge, huge audience. So, fortunately, the the comments that we get are, are Mm. on the whole, they're quite pleasant. Um, TikTok, we occasionally put some clips up and there'll be somebody there criticizing the shoes I'm wearing, which is genuinely, we had a comment on TikTok recently, which was me uh, talking about a car that we just bought. And one of the top comments is, a bit old to be wearing Converse, mate. (laughs) And at first, I was like, Oh, for God's sake! Like <laughs> I'm now, I'm now consciously thinking about the shoes and clothes that I'm wearing. But for me, I often think, you know, what did that person do at the time of writing that comment? Did they, did they write the comment, then hit send, and then for three days after posting it, keep thinking about that comment? No, they didn't. No, they wrote, oh, a little bit old to wear in converse, mate. Wrote that, then they thumbed down to the next one, wrote something on theirs, then thumbed down, to the, and they've forgotten about it. So for me. I I often just try to think in that mentality of that person's not waiting for my reply. They're not sat there going, "I wonder if he's going to come back to me about the converse yet."
2: Yeah, but that that's that's quite sad to think that um, someone will leave a comment and then just their brain just resets onto yeah, the next video. But for the person it's directed that, yeah. like I would say, there's there's some comments that I would say w- would sit with me for i would say up to like a good week maybe two weeks just like every so often we just pop back in Mm. that if it if it tweaked you enough if it it sort of stabbed you enough it can just sit there and sort of niggle you until another couple of videos go
0: by and you kind of reset Mm -hmm. in your own head and kind of move on from it you must get a lot of comments though that are that really kind of just make you feel elated there must be people out there that love what you're doing oh and, yeah uh, yeah it. yeah yeah, so absolutely
2: again it's, it's just displaying how our yeah. brains work honing yeah. in on the negative stuff but yeah absolutely i love people the thing i love most is when you you're doing a project and you've actually encouraged someone to basically do the same go down the same path yes. like yeah. you we've, we've so we're doing a jaguar xkr right now and i've had numerous people buying jags amazing just because they've loved the videos so yeah. much and mgs and uh, mondeos and all this kind of stuff that I love that because it, it then you then see the kind of impact you're having on someone mm. um I think the the coolest thing I've experienced is someone messaged me having listened to a podcast similar to this where mm. I, I sort of went through my story and he's essentially following the carbon copy and stuff is starting to fall in line for him so he was an engineering student oh, wow. he's now interning at auto express mm-hmm. and I've, I've said to him please if you get a proper job in the industry like if you really get going and you're on a launch or whatever and mm. you think i'm going to be there absolutely message me because I, I, I would absolutely love to know that just by listening to my path mm. someone has fundamentally changed the course of their life to think i that looks quite good i'm going to give that yeah. a go so yeah there's stories like that if you're like yes okay this is 100 worth it loving life yeah. um and yeah, that's i don't know I, I guess it would be going to a, a psychologist and kind of thinking these things through but that is how i would want my brain to be programmed to think mm. um but i don't know whether just as humans we'd we'd or, or maybe as british people we just <laughs> think slightly negatively perhaps um perhaps. less optimistic but that that's also something interesting just on another strand that audiences american audience um super supportive and if you've achieved something they're rooting for you and they they want to follow you they want to go down your your path like american dream stuff british audience yeah super negative yeah and like but you know i'm generalizing here but um sort of feel hard done by and think you don't deserve you got it what you've got and that you must have somehow wangled or cheated your way to what you're in so that's i get that comment a lot um and again i say a lot there'll be lots of nice ones but in terms of the negative ones it's how on earth have you are you beside richard how on earth are you employed by him he should fire you and get tiffin or you know you know it's just that that like vindictive why don't i have that or Or, if you've got that it's been unfair
0: and life should be more fair um but what can you do what can you do yeah not a lot so therefore try not to worry about it (laughs) yeah just get on with it do the best you can that's it
2: and if luck falls your way um it falls your way yeah but again don't
0: don't discredit your ability with the word luck because I hear this a lot I hear you know I regard myself as lucky all the time and I say I use that phrase you know I am I am a lucky guy when it comes to the industry that I am in and the position that I'm in and the opportunities that I've been able to do and the opportunities that I've got coming up I'm very very lucky but equally at the same time there is more to it than that and it's important that you allow yourself to remember that because the reason you're standing beside Richard Hammond is because you took an active interest in changing your career path from just engineering to writing you looked at people like henry and thought that's who i want to work with you pushed yourself forward to work as an intern at places like Carthrottle and you allowed yourself to learn from the right people to go through the good times and the bad times and that is why you're standing next to richard you're gonna make me
2: a bit emotional
0: (laughs) but but no i I it's true i think yes it's very easy to say lucky i think that maybe
2: something that's slightly more accurate is um uh it's a combination i think of like hard work and like um not picking up but um just opening yourself up to opportunity mm. so being in a place and setting yourself up for when an opportunity arises you're perfectly placed to kind of go for it yeah um because I, I think these things if you, if you work hard enough these things do just naturally pop up like you're talking about you know someone will just dm you out the blue yep. but that's it. it's not out the blue Nope. it's because they've been looking at you and following you and you know you just you tee yourself up for these things so yes it's very easy to call it luck but at the same time it's it's a it's um the result of so many other factors that yeah. then just kind of put you there luck is involved but there know, is, yeah, there's more
0: to it. We're, we're, yeah, absolutely. Or the other way to kind of, again, a happy medium, perhaps, is there's that famous phrase of like, you're in control of your own destiny. And we can be really spiritual about it. And you can say, you know, I manifested it and I thought about it and all of that stuff. I don't believe in any of it. I don't believe in manifesting. I don't believe in um, believe in fate. Well, again, so fate can kind of fall under that same category because there'll be many people out there that say it was fate that this ha- that so and so happened. You rediscovering your rover—that does sound quite fatey to me. But
2: yes, that, that's that fully converted that me. That is though.
0: that is quite a strong argument for it. But equally, on the on the flip side, again, it's a bit like comparing the word lucky to I don't know a fortuitous through technique. We all pave our own path, sometimes without realizing it. And sometimes it is the silly little things like putting in that extra hour at the end of a working day to make sure that that edit is actually just a little bit better than it could have been, or restarting an article that we've written, going, ah, it doesn't flow. I'm going to just start again. Um, It could be the little details like that that then result in those people, the right people seeing your content and going, ah, that's a bit different. Because you can guarantee that Henry Catchpole, when he first started writing his articles, didn't finish and go, that'll do. He didn't. <laughs> yeah, 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 He finished an article and went, no, that needs to be better. One of my favourite writers still to this day is the controversial Jeremy Clarkson. I find his writing ability so inspiring and I hope that one day I get the opportunity to say it to him, even if it's in a passing comment. But his ability to capture, um, like you said about Henry, a, an environment, a world uh, scenario in written words, to me is just... Or inspiring. And you know, again, full well that he has never finished an article and gone, that'll do. He's finished an article going, Okay, that's ready to go.
2: Yeah, yeah, he does always say it's all about the words. Yeah. Even like the television show, it's yeah. like, that's literally all he hones into. Absolutely. Um, but That
0: is that is what you have been doing in every aspect of your career, and that is why you are where you are.
2: So are you saying it's not fate that we happen to be sitting in the Carthol office for the four months or what you saying, <laughs> that we were together and therefore are in this room? And then what, does, what domino does this then start to topple? Next minute, it'll be me, Jeremy, James and Richard, you know.
0: sitting here. What next? <laughs> you never know. You never know. Um, it, again, it, I, it's not fate. It's simpler than that. Um, we're massive car nerds. That's what it is. Uh, that is the fundamental. That's yep. it. That's all it takes. <laughs> That's all it takes. And if there's anyone listening to this conversation right now who perhaps is looking forward to a career, maybe you've already embarked on that scary university degree or you've decided even earlier than that perhaps you're at college or sixth form and you've decided to focus on English language or some media studies or something to to maybe one day get you to a position where you can make content whether that's written or video or whatever the new social media aspect is going to be in and around cars because you simply love cars this is why you keep doing it
2: yeah and actually i it's one thing i i really really love interacting with as i say like that guy that messaged me saying the path he's now going down Mm. having listened if anyone has any questions about how to get going or any advice on what route to go down or whatever like dm me i'm more than happily have a chat about that whether you're at uni or post uni or whatever you're doing Mm -hmm. i i can never promise that there's anything at drive tribe but sure. i absolutely love having a chat with people about um my experience and trying to as i say like so much of it's about opportunity if there's any opportunity like from anywhere just from a bit of advice um i'm more than happy to sort of have a chat and, and give that sort of advice, give that sort of advice but um yeah i i i, I want the uh, motoring industry to be having looked at the auto express stuff and then pivoted to the car and seen those experiences i want the industry to fill up with um sort of younger passionate more diverse people because um, i think coming into it it's changed a lot recently but you look back and it it has been very straight laced yeah and it's really cool now that i think we're, we're kind of emerging out the other side of that but the more that anyone that fancies a go at it has a go at it correct um the better and i think i think you know anyone that wants to have a go mike underscore fernie hit me up i'm i'm keen to chat perfect
0: amazing mike thank you thank you um this has been really good really really good It's been great to hear your insight your journey your route to what you're doing now and i've no doubt it's going to get bigger and better and it's not exclusively down to luck let's try to remember that it's just
2: massively down to feet thank you john <laughs> <laughs> and rovers yes yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> make rover great again
0: <laughs> don't let anyone else tell you otherwise absolutely absolutely <laughs> um as for you dear listener thank you so much for joining us it has been a long one but i hope you've enjoyed it and i hope that um, perhaps it has switched on a few light bulbs for a few people as well perhaps it has maybe uh, you can let us know drop us an email podcast at drivenchat.com if you would like to get in contact with us uh, for any reason uh, you can do that there don't Forget you can also follow us on social media art. Uh, our social media handle is at driven chat. Mike's is Mike underscore Fernie. Have I got that right? Yep, that's right. Uh, you can see him in the most recent social media posts today if you're listening to this in real time. Um, and if you haven't already um done so, head on over to YouTube. There's a channel there called Drive Tribe which is uh, growing brilliantly. Um, and yeah, make sure you subscribe. Make sure you're putting lots of lovely comments in there for Mike. Maybe maybe find the latest video with Mike and then uh, use the hashtag Make Rovers Great Again, which may be completely unrelated to that video you're watching. <laughs> and it may result in other people replying to your comment going, it's a jug, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fine because we'll get it. and That's all that matters. <laughs> uh, for now, I will say thank you so much for listening. Uh, more of this in a week's time. Don't forget, you can also see the bits and pieces that we do on YouTube as well. Just search for Driven Chat on YouTube. You'll find our content there. And I think that's about it. Let's, um, oh yeah, let's go in the car park and look at your SRT. Yeah, supercharger. So if you want to see that, then also go and have a look at the social feeds because there will be some photos of that. For now, that's all. Thank you very much for listening. Speak to you again soon. Thanks, Mike. Thank you. The Driven
1: Chat podcast in association with Paramex Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life. Find out more at drivenchat.com.